Welcome to the Golf Exposed Podcast. It is non-stop trash stuff. I'm supposed to be pros here. I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf. Golf Exposed Podcast. But it wasn't talked about like it is now. We got our kick. Where we give you the good, the bad, and the truth about golf business, betting, and stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Exposed Podcast. So full swing on Netflix, a docuseries that sort of took the world by storm, certainly the golf world by storm. It ranked in the top five of Netflix's most viewed shows for at least its initial week. It is in the books, eight episodes long. Starting off in broad strokes, John, Bryce, did it exceed your expectations? Did it meet your expectations? Did it fail to meet your expectations? I would say it met my expectations, Jordan. Yeah, I, I would say I, I give it a B minus. Um, I didn't think it was amazing, but uh, I, I think if you're a serious golf fan, maybe you found it a little uh, elementary, but my wife, who's not a golf fan, she really enjoyed it. So I think that um, I'm hoping other people that maybe are new to the game enjoyed it as well. Um, so that was kind of how I felt. Well, the Wall Street Journal is a detractor of the show, and they say, and I quote, it is undeniable if the filmmakers didn't want to lose their access to the more intemperate players, but the really probing questions are out there hanging like a long drive that's headed towards the woods. Full Swing wants to be entertaining, entertaining and often is, but in its timidity, it has dug its own sand trap. <laughs> Do you guys think they let some of the players who have bigger, bolder personalities or a tendency to say something that may be controversial? Do you think they left them off the hook a little bit? Played it safe? I think it was played safe to some degree. Uh, you know, Rory got a nice dig in at Phil towards the end of the series. That's, you know, that was out there. But, uh, yeah, I think they played it a little bit safe. It would have been nice to see a little bit more of, you know, their true feelings as far as players and how they felt about each other and the inner dynamics of the relationships on tour. Okay, I'm going to name I'm going to name a player who was highlighted throughout the show. And we'll start with Bryce. And I want to ask you your opinion on how you think they came off. Just based on your initial reaction, I know you've probably become familiar with some of these guys over the years, but I'm talking about just based on what you saw on the show. Bryce, what do you think of Tony Finau and the way that he was portrayed? Um, I I thought Tony's episode was probably the most interesting. Uh, I thought he came, I mean, he, I don't know if he could have come off any better. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big Tony Finau fan and uh, probably even a bigger fan now that I've, I've watched the episode. Just down to earth, hard worker, gritty competitor. Couldn't say anything, you know, more positive about him. Was there a narrative that existed about Tony out there that sometimes he put his family too far ahead of the game and him actually winning tournaments? Because that was sort of a narrative that they sort of mocked and said that is what people say. I hadn't followed Tony closely, but I guess he has his family at most events. So was that narrative out there? I'm sure it was in inside tour circles to some degree, just because for the most part, you get these uber focused guys, you know, Tony finds balance in his family and, and you know what, he's been highly successful doing it. So I don't think you can, you can contradict what he's doing at all right now. It, it seems like plenty of athletes have left their family in shambles over the years and had, or had multiple families going at once <laughs> and are praised in the media oftentimes Absolutely. for that killer instinct. It's well, nice to see something different, isn't it? Boy, good Lord. Um, Bryce, how do you think Brooks Kepka came off? Uh, I didn't think Brooks came off well at all. Um, you know, I think it was probably had a lot to do with the timing of, of when it was being filmed. He seemed to really be struggling with his game. 
Uh, you know, the, the blonde hair, I don't think was a great look for him. All in all, I thought it was a pretty poor, uh, poor representation for Brooks in that episode. Bryce coming at the do. <laughs> John, what do you think about Brooks Kepka and his portrayal on the series? I think Brooks had to hate it. I mean, he, this guy was the best golfer in the world for two and a half years. Nobody could touch him. He won everything. He was, you know, he just had such tenacity while he's playing and he just came off like a broken player. And, you know, this is very interesting, the timing of it, uh, you know, with obviously his decision to go to live and, you know, who's weighing on how they want these players portrayed on camera. You know, I wonder, I asked that question because, you know, Brooks is supposed to be one of those superstars in golf. Um, I do think he has a little bit of a different personality too, and it maybe just doesn't translate well to the camera. John, your thoughts, uh, we'll start with John here. Um, your thoughts on Ian Poulter and his portrayal. I think Ian was Ian. I mean, exactly what I expected, you know, and, and I like Ian. I think he's refreshing. He's obviously, you know, straightforward, no bones about it. And he's exactly what I expected. You know, the same guy that was about as annoying as it comes in every Ryder Cup match. Mm. Uh, but there's a reason it has to do with his personality. And I think the decisions he's made as a 46 year old golfer make a lot of sense for him. Yeah, I, I agree with John. Um, I, I didn't think he came off negatively. The only complaint I'll have is when he was, you know, he, he's crying about missing cuts and, and going home without any money, and then he's boarding a private jet. I mean, I think for the common folk, it's a little hard to to uh, really feel bad for him or think that he's really, you know, in a bad way after a missed cut. But, um, but yeah, other than that, I, I thought he came off okay. I, I, it was pretty much about what I expected. I want to get to what you just said in one second, but two more guys I want to ask you both about. Guys, is it is there something wrong with me deep down to my core that I just don't like Joel Dahman or however you pronounce his name? I know they want me to like him so bad, but somebody who is that talented and has that many opportunities in life that doesn't fully embrace it. I'm not saying you have to be you have to put the game or your accolades before your family or things like that. And it's and he's probably a guy you'd have a beer with, but his attitude and his approach to the game did piss me off just a little bit. Am I, am I off base for that? I mean, I found him refreshing in the, in the fact that he was different. He's different. Um, but then a part of me is like, you're in the top 0.0001% of golfers in the world. And, and, you know, this whole, you know, how much of it is his real feelings about how he plays versus a little bit of a persona. He's just playing up. I mean, I feel like it's hard to be that elite and not have, you know, some sort of mental mindset that gets you to that point, but maybe not, maybe he's that unique. Uh, but I think over time, you know, if I had to spend, you know, every tour stop with him over multiple years, it would probably wear on me big time. Yeah, Jordan, I don't blame you. I think, you know, I, I truly think deep down, he might be one of those players that um, he, he performs better when he's taking himself a little, you know, a little lighter. Uh, and he's maybe realized that. So he doesn't it, you know, he doesn't want to put those serious expectations on himself as a top 30 or top 40 player in the world. Um, even though I bet you deep down, he knows that he he is as good as he is. Um, but, I, you know, I, I enjoy him. I think he's funny. I think his caddy's hilarious. So I, I enjoyed that episode. But I can definitely see where you're coming from, Jordan, uh, with that. They're tooting his horn pretty hard. They're waving his banner loudly and perhaps rightfully so, start with Bryce. What did you think of the way Rory came off? He got episode eight, the final episode, sort of dedicated to him. Um, how did you feel that he came off? And is he now the poster boy for the PGA? 
I feel like Rory came off a little cold, to be honest. I, um, I'm i not the biggest Rory fan. Like, I have a ton of respect for his game. I think he's probably the best player in the world. But not not my favorite player personality-wise. You know, an example of that would just be him talking crap about a tailor-made driver last week. I was sick of Tiger out driving me. It seems like he just always talks, says one thing, like maybe should have just shut up one sentence ago. Yeah, I, I, I thought his episode was very average, uh, if I'm being honest. Well, I'm sure they were pretty particular about the episode and, and sort of how they were going to showcase him and what he was going to say, although they did put the little dig and fill in there. Um, I mean, I like Rory. I like him standing in front of the microphone and saying how he feels and he doesn't really hold back. And I mean, he's most definitely the poster boy for the PGA Tour right now. Um, I think if you had Rory in a quiet room and you said, you know, what do you think about this live golf thing? Rory would say it's the best thing that ever happened for the PGA Tour. Look at our purses. Look at our ratings. Look what's happening. Uh, you know, I should thank Phil. You know, I think he might say that, to be honest, because I think he can see the bigger picture. But uh, I like him. Anytime he's involved, I think there's there's more to the tournament. Um, it's shocking that a guy of his talent, uh, you know, has gone, you know, eight, nine years now without a major when he was on the run he was on, you know, before he was 25. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see a second burst here and he catches a couple majors here in, in his, you know, mid to late 30s. I do think there are a few here that they sort of missed the boat on, and one of which is the the live itself. Now, obviously, you don't want to do too much to promote the live if you are the PGA, or do you? Because conversely, it does controversy creates cash and ratings and and conflict. So, do you do you think they could have done a deeper dive into what the live is, or do you think that they did just enough to show that there is some tension there, but they didn't want to give it too much promotion? I think they did more than I thought they would do. To be honest, I, I felt like from a a journalistic integrity standpoint, they put just enough in to kind of pass the pass the test. Um, they could have done more, and if they would have done more, it would have been more dynamic for sure. The series, without a doubt, um, you know, DJ and the way he answered his his questions about the live and the PJ tour was very much the personality that everybody's gotten to know with with DJ. And and I thought he sort of hit the nail on the head uh, to some degree why so many players have have opted to go to the live, but. Um, you know, th- this is the week that Sawgrass just happened, and it's become very evident to me that the world of golf is focused on the players that are playing on the PGA Tour as far as who are the elite players. And, you know, the conversation around, well, is DJ the best or Scotty the best? I don't think that conversation is being had. I think everyone says Scotty's the best, you know? Yeah, not enough lift. I think, um, I mean, for me anyway, to to get more kind of an honest feel from the players on both sides of the fence and how they're all getting along and um, how they're feeling, I think would have been uh, would have made the show far more dynamic. Um, but I also understand that there's probably a lot that goes into that. So I would have liked to see more. They showed a lot of these personalities in a very glamorous fashion. Like you alluded to, Bryce, private jets, lavish accommodations, multiple homes in, in beautiful communities. They also talk about the pressures of missing cuts, not getting paid. Um, but you never really see the players getting down and dirty or, or, or grinding it out. And you never really see them in a position of struggle or despair. So from a storytelling perspective, it can make that very difficult to relate to someone who's living a lavish lifestyle. I'm sure there's a lot more work that goes into it. These guys don't just wake up and become the best in the world. Although a lot of the, a, a lot of it could be genetically inherited, a gift from God, whatever you want to say. 
and they to be fair they did show tony finau go back to his childhood home and that was pretty cool to see his humble beginnings but do you guys think they glamorize the lifestyle too much or in our society today is that just sort of what plays with an audience so you think it was a good idea the real housewives series exists i don't watch it but <laughs> you know I, I know that i know that's a big component of of you know what uh plays well on tv so i mean i think it's realistic depiction it's authentic you know these guys do fly in private jets the players they followed you know so i think we want to see what their life is like and uh i thought it gave uh an accurate description of what their life is like yeah i i agree too i think for the top players in the world it is a pretty glamorous life you know i think if they followed the guy that's 150th on the money list uh it would the day-to-day lifestyle would look far different um, and frankly, I think it might, you know, it might be more interesting to the, you know, to the rabid golf fan. Um, but certainly life is pretty glamorous, I think, for the top 20 or 30 players in the world. Ultimately, was the series a good move for golf, a bad move for golf, or a lateral move that ultimately won't move the needle in either direction? Lateral move. I wanted it to be a really good move for golf, but I think it was a lateral move. I don't know what the talks are about future episodes, but... Um, I think it could be something that builds, um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is all we see in eight episodes and it was just kind of a, a blip on the radar. I will tell you in the, all the articles that I read leading up to this program, all the episodes and seasons, even the stuff that Netflix sends out to people to review is labeled as season one specifically, and not all series do that. So it's at least probable that they are intending on a season two. If that is the case and that comes to fruition, what do you need to see in your opinion to make it a positive for golf as a whole or to reach more people at least? Uh, just a little bit more uh, dynamic interpersonal relationships and some of the challenges uh, that the players have with each other, with events, with maybe some of the stresses of missing cuts at, you know, around the 150 mark, like Bryce said, I think that really would give it a little bit more uh, layers to it. But I mean, I'll be watching all eight episodes in two days, no matter when it comes out. So, but I'm a golf fan. So. Yeah, I, th I think mostly lateral, maybe, you know, the needle might move a little bit into the direction of good for golf. I don't think it's going to have anywhere near the impact that the F1, you know, docuseries had for the sport of F1. Uh, I think I was kind of hopeful that, that it might. Um, I don't think we're going to get there, at least based on what I saw in season two, like John said, I think maybe sh showing some of the guys that are maybe a little further down on the money list that are grinding, uh, would make it a little bit more dynamic for sure. Um, and, and I think, as he said too, that, you know, some interpersonal stuff, uh, you know, it was nice to see Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas have some banter, but, um, you know, more of that, I would say, would be nice. I mean, if you if you look back on the series, most of what we saw was guys, individual players with their teams, um, not players not really interacting with one another. So I think more more player to player interaction would, would be good. And the final thing I would add, Jordan, is that, you know, I think they really missed the mark from the way they built the series uh, from a timeline chronological standpoint. They really kind of started each episode at the beginning of the season, ran it through the season, and then did the same thing with different personalities. I would much rather see the episode broken out into the first, you know, one eighth of the season, the second, second eighth, the third, third eighth, and and really follow the season chronologically where it's building towards, you know, the different majors and then, you know, the FedEx Cup. And, and I think there's a different way to go about building the show chronologically. Interesting stuff, guys. I have one more question before we ride off into the sunset. And 
it's going to bring us back to the most casual of casual golf personalities that we all that we all know and love. So if you if you both recall episode eight, primarily dedicated to Rory McIlroy, who is arguably the biggest name in the sport right now. I don't know that you, I don't know that anyone can argue with that. Um, there might be someone else, maybe Phil Mickelson, but Rory is pretty much top of mind awareness right now. Yet the entire series still ends on a high note because Rory wins a tournament and is excited to get a text from Tiger Woods. And that's the impression that at least I left with from watching the show, proving to me again, that there's everybody in the game, Rory, and then Tiger somewhere up here out of camera view to this very day. And my question for you guys is not in and of the series itself, but just in general, from a pop culture standpoint, I mean, I'm going to compare Tiger to other players of his level of fame and his caliber, LeBron James, although pretty much a saint builds schools for children in his spare time, pretty much 50, 50, very polarizing Tom Brady, seven super bowls, very polarizing God rest his soul. Kobe Bryant, very polarizing in his time. And Michael Jordan, of course, there's plenty of reasons to dislike him. Um, but you know, these are people who have been polarizing, whereas Tiger Woods has done some things that I'm sure he regrets, and we're not here to cast judgment, but through trials, tribulations, um, self-inflicted wounds, Tiger Woods seems to be universally loved and praised by the majority of people. And I need to know your opinions as experts in this industry. Bryce, we'll start with you. What makes Tiger so universally loved and cherished among not only his peers those who came before him those who came after him and just casual golf viewers as a whole tiger seems to be bulletproof in that aspect and what do you think it is about tiger woods that just makes that happen or do you even agree with that sentiment no i I definitely agree with it um and I, i i don't know if i could put my thumb on it you know i think obviously he he's probably the most dominant sports figure maybe in the history of sports, I would say, you know, in his prime. Um, And then he's obviously had a lot of personal issues as well, which I think, you know, people can relate to maybe in their personal life, the ups and downs. Um, So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. Um, Probably his upbringing, you know, uh, where he grew up, kind of how he grew up, definitely not the traditional um, upbringing for, junior golf when he was, you know, coming up in the sport, that's for sure. Um, and you know, it's, uh, certainly polarizing and it's very interesting. Um, but outside of that, I I'm really not sure. I would say that he won three us juniors. He was the best junior golfer ever. He won three us amateurs. He's the best us amateur golfer. He had nothing but expectations. He looked different. He came to golf at a certain time where, uh, the game's popularity exploded as he became the elite player in golf. Won the Masters at 21, won 14 majors, you know, from the time he's 21 till he's 34. You know, went through all the trials and tribulations, injuries, bad decisions, everything else. Came back, won a Masters, and he's just a polarizing figure. Uh, despite, you know, some information out there, you know, about him. And, you know, he's not the perfect personality uh, in all facets of life. But, uh highly accomplished athlete and I would agree 100% with Bryce in his prime those 10 years nobody has dominated like him in any sport uh, especially is he the best golfer of all time he was the best golfer of all time for 10 years Bryce yes 
All right. You heard it here first. Hot takes all around. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Action-packed episode. A lot to digest, a lot to unpack. Hopefully we can do this again. Hopefully there is a season two, but uh, full swing, at least in my opinion, highly enjoyable. So thank you both, and we greatly appreciate your time. Thanks, George. Thanks, guys.